very special and different kind of study. Uh, we started it last week that for the month of January, we're doing a, a how to study the Bible class, one that would help you kind of dive in and understand the scriptures more on your own, grow in the things that are there and hoping that it's helpful. So in this, in the midst of it, we have kind of printed out our Wednesday booklet and have a place for you even to fill that out. Uh, if anybody doesn't have one, if you'll just shoot your hand up real fast, we'll make sure to kind of get you one really quickly. If anybody needs one, just kind of make, us, make sure we know and we'll kind of get one into your hands. All right. Obviously, you can just use a notebook or whatever as well, but hoping that God would just meet us in the things that he has for us. Let's take one more moment and ask that God would teach us and that he would help us this evening to grow in that which he would have for us. Father, I think about an evening of talking about how to study your word. And I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful for all that you've given us there. There's more there than any of us have even begun to understand. But Lord, how I ask that you would teach us, how I ask that you would grow us as those who are hungry and, and thirsty for, for your truth and your ways, that you grow us in understanding it and knowing it, that you would teach us to be those who would be protected against all the false doctrines that you say come like just winds and waves. Uh, and it's just, just carried away by so many just things. And Lord, I ask that you would protect, that you'd take us deeper into your word, you would root us in you and your ways, and you would teach us how, how to, how to do that. Lord, you see us, you know where we are. We're all in different spaces. But God, you're working. I believe that. I'm held and hopeful in that. And just pray for how, just your work in each one of us now. Help, Lord. We ask it, I ask it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Deuteronomy 32, it says it this way. It says, set your heart on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. He says, I want you to set your heart on it. I want you to make sure when you're thinking about the Bible and you're thinking about the scriptures, I want you to, to look at it and say, okay, my, my, that's my heart. I, I, I believe that. I look at that. He says that you're going to hold fast to it. You're going to hold fast to all of it. And I love what God just says. He says, for it is not a futile thing for you because it is your life. That's an amazing reality. And I hold it out to you right now that right here where we get to talk about studying the scriptures. And he says, I want you to set your heart on it. I, I want you to, to, to dive into it. It's not a waste of time. It is, it's not futile. It's not just there. It's, it's life to you. It would be help to you. It would be strength to you. I hope you figured that out. I hope already by being here this evening, you've said, I, I, I know that the word of God is powerful, but I'm, I, I want to grow in it. If not, just longing that God would bring us there because I want to tell you it indeed is. God's word is that it is not a waste of your effort. It is not a waste of your time. It is not futile. It's life. May God just help us to get closer to that, even this evening as we think this through. So once more, we're doing this kind of how to study the Bible course. It's a simple one. Uh, it's not one that we're going into great depth. There are other resources and books. If you wanted to dive into it, you can help and, and go there. But I'm hoping by just kind of a simple overview uh, that it will help. So I want to just quickly give you a recap of what we talked about last week, both as a reminder, but also just to draw to that if you've missed that uh, it, you can go back and catch it online and see it, but it would just help kind of set our tone this evening. 
We talked about seven things last week, and I don't want to hit all seven of them as kind of keys for this, but I want to remind a couple of first just key issues. First of all, this is for believers. This, the word of God that we have before us is, is alive and it's powerful, but God is very, very clear. It doesn't work uh, for those who aren't his. He says to the natural man, it's, it's foolishness. They don't get it. They can't understand it. If you're here this evening and for you, the Bible just is not significant. Like you're like, I don't get anything out of it. I don't really enjoy it. Doesn't mean anything to you. We love you. And we want to tell you, please get saved. Uh, please come to know Jesus, because if you come to know Jesus, it will open up to you, guaranteed. Now, there's more you can grow in it, but the the Bible becomes alive, and and it's necessary there. So if you're here this evening, please understand that, that this is something God has for you, and if you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, then please know it has to begin there. So it only works for those who are in Christ, who who get to walk in that. As we think about growing, and I also want to just remind you that the, the Word of God is that which you should read. And I encouraged you last week just to read it regularly, daily, to maybe read the whole thing once a year. I mean, just read it like you're reading a book. Just read it and read it and read it. That's power. Just have the Word of God flowing into your soul and your life. That's good that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about how to study the Bible. You, you, you can't, you know, read that, you know, study that, that, that vast amount just kind of every day in the midst of it. So on t- in the midst of that, in the midst of reading the Bible, there ought to be a place that you're diving in. That maybe it's a verse, maybe, you know, you kind of read through a number of chapters and then you just pick a verse out in a day and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to chew this one. I'm going to study this out. Or maybe you decide to take on a book of the Bible. You say, hey, I'm going to you know, study through you know, 1 Peter, and I'm just going to go verse by verse. I'm going to study it through just as best I can. That would be a powerful thing to do one way or another. But we encourage you to do that, and that's what we're trying to help you do. That's how we're trying to do this and, and get to walk in this. I think about how God speaks to us about this. In Hebrews, he says it this way. He says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, Freeze a babe. I'm pretty sure the metaphor works pretty easily. I'm pretty sure that in the midst of it, you can understand what's taking place here, but I want you just to think it through just for a moment. He says, if, if someone's a Christian and the only thing they are partaking of, if I can say it that way, is pre-processed food, he says, then you're a, you're a spiritual baby. If all you do is listen to somebody else teach a Bible study, uh, you know, hear somebody else kind of unpack something for you from the Scripture, and it's all pre-processed, then you're a spiritual baby. You're one who is, who is just in that sense on a bottle, who's just you know, getting, getting milk. And he says, that, you know, that's, if that's all you partake of, if all you do is come and hear a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday Bible study and you tune into a radio program and you just hear somebody else who has processed the scripture, that's not all that God has for you. He's inviting you. He says, I want you to be like those who have solid food, belong to those who are full age, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He kind of invites you out of spiritual babyhood and says, I want you to begin to kind of chew your own food. I, I want you to begin to kind of like put things in your hand and say, okay, how do I, how do I kind of dive into this? How do I begin to carve and, and, and study and, and get into this so that I'm beginning to be able to just grow in the things that God has? And he has that for you. 
He wants that for you. There's not anybody here this evening who's like, no, I, I just prefer you to be a spiritual baby. Like, I just want you to be on, you know, milk the rest of your life. That is, that, that is a, a tragic reality in Christ. It should not be that way, but Hebrews says it is that way at times. But we're just speaking to you and saying, we're just trying to invite you out of that. Into a place that, yes, you can listen to Bible study. And yes, God will use teachers because that's part of the body of Christ. But there ought to be a place that's like, but I study on my own. I, 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 can, I can dive into scripture. I can understand the things that are there. And so that's what we're seeking to do in the midst of this is give you tools to do that, to help understand that, to kind of in that kind of metaphor, put you know, a, a fork and a knife in your hand and say, okay, here's how you use it. Like here's how you carve and here's how you, you dive into these things that we're hoping that makes sense. So in the midst of that, the kind of Bible study process, the Bible study approach is really broken up into three categories observation, interpretation, application. So that's already even written for you in your booklets, kind of as a place of what does it say, what does it mean, what do I do? We talked about all this last week. So again, this is still actually just kind of reminding you. Um, this is basic uh, you know, Bible study method, inductive Bible study that is taught by people all around the world, that's been taught for generations, uh, very well understood, just in the midst of it, it's kind of like the scientific method, the way that God has put our brains in there. And so a good Bible student will very intentionally do all three of these. If you get nothing else out of this four weeks and you remember this really well and you think, okay, I want to observe, interpret, and apply. I want to look at a verse and I want to go very intentionally through each one of these. I just want to tell you, it will help you. It will help you. It'll, it'll make sense in your life. It'll work good into you where you're going to be able to do that. Last week, we spent some time on that first part, just talking to you about that, that aspect where you just observe the text. And so I gave you seven things. Again, this is all last week. Don't try to write them down now. Obviously, you, know, you, can, you can take a picture or something if you're wanting, but we did this last week, and you might want to go back and, and hear that if you missed that. But in essence, that first one maybe is the single one I'm going to make sure you understand. In the place of observation, you're just reading the scripture. Nothing else. No, no commentary, no study Bible. It's just you and the word of God. Just allow yourself to read it, think about it, process it. You're taking a verse and you're reading it over and over. You're, you're just taking time with it. You're making notes, paying attention to details, asking questions, imagining it, reading another verses. But you're just trying to say, I just want to read it. I want to notice everything I can about it. I want to be almost like a detective that steps into a crime scene and says, I just want to pay attention to the details. I'll figure out what to do with the details in a moment. You know, maybe some of this stuff will pack up in, you know, Ziploc bags and we'll check them out later. But right now, I just want to see them. I want to understand them. That's observation. And, and if you would do that, it would be, be incredibly powerful. I, I hope some of you have. I hope some of you this week were like, I did that. And the really fun thing is sometimes this is the best part. I mean, just, just you and the Word of God. It's like, wow, I mean, I'm just reading. It's, just, it's really fascinating just, just by paying attention how much you can see and how much begins to unfold for you. So please make sure that you take time for this. I pointed out last week that most people have the hardest time with observation. Uh, most people will run ahead to either interpretation, which we're going to start on tonight, or application. And it tends to be maybe your personality. Some of you are just like, man, I just want to dive into like the, 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 the words and just want to start reading. I want to look at commentaries. And uh, others are like, no, I just want to think about how it applies to me. But there's this weight that so often you miss out just this place of observation. So I just simply call you to that. 
Okay, so that's more or less an unpacking, a reminder of what we saw last week that's going to bring us to this place. So let's say you've done it. You, you have now picked a verse uh, or a section. You, you've spent time just reading it, observing it, thinking about it, looking at everything that's there. Now you're going to go to phase two uh, of this Bible study that is now seeking to interpret it, to say, okay, so what does it actually mean? Well, I want to give you a few helps in that, but before we do that, let's go to the left side of your page over there where I kind of talk about several keys for Bible interpretation. Things that are right now going to be needed, three things. There's more uh, that, that maybe you think through, but three things that if we're going to really understand what we're about to do, we have to make sure is firmly within our grasp. Number one is that the Bible that we're seeking to interpret is inspired by God. That this book that we get a chance to study and trying to understand, it is inspired by him. Now, the technical, kind of the orthodox understanding of this would say that it's verbal plenary inspiration. That is verbal, that the words are inspired, it's plenary, it's all, that this book is that. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time on that, but I want to just point out to you this is absolutely vital, and this is exactly what the Bible holds out to us. That when we think about this scripture that we get a chance to study, God gave it to us. It's inspired. It's breathed by him. Gives it to us this way in 2 Timothy where it just simply says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just notice that beginning there for a moment. It's all of it. It's all of it. The whole thing is inspired by God. This is really essential. There are really like four different kind of main ways that people cheek to look at Bible interpretation or look at uh, Bible inspiration, if you will, excuse me. And, and three of them, they just lead to incredible error and, and they will mess you up. I mean, they will, they will rob you of the word of God. And first one is that some people will say, well, some of it's inspired and some of it's not. Like some of it's God and then some of it's Paul, or some of it's Peter, or some, and, and I just want to tell you, just to believe that robs you of all of it. Because the moment that you think only part of it's inspired, you'll find yourself, well, you know, anytime you don't like something, you'll just be like, well, that's probably, they just made that up on themselves. You <laughs> know, like any, I mean, you, you've just totally robbed the word of God of power, and you've missed what it actually says. So to say it's plenary inspiration is to say, the whole Bible is that. Now we think about that. I like the way it gives it to us in Peter when God describes it. He says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like this wasn't, you know, something that somebody sat down and like, we're going we're gonna to really kind of plan this out or cunningly try to, this isn't a man-made book. It isn't man-made truth. He says, here's what you need to make sure you understand. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So prophecy never came about by the will of man. Just let that land for a moment. Because this is where other people will go. They'll say, well, you know... You know, it, some of it is, the, the writers, and so they kind of in, inserted their own opinions into the whole thing. He says, no, it never happened. Not in this. 
This didn't come from that. This never came that, that men did this. Never, it would never was that, that men wrote it. Instead, what happened is this amazing supernatural thing that holy men of God spoke as they were moved or carried by the Holy Spirit. So, one of the other wrong uh, interpretations or ways to look at uh, Bible inspirations, and some would say it's a dictation theory. That is that, you know, some of it is, you know, it was all dictated by God, but that's not what we have, and that's never what God has. We have, you know, 66 books written by, you know, by 40 different authors, and the authors write differently. Paul writes differently than Peter, and Peter writes differently than Luke. They, they were fully, you know, their personality, uh, the, the way they worded it, and yet God superimposed so that they were carried so that they used their words, but God perfectly uh, unpacked his truth for us, which is absolutely amazing, but important that we kind of understand, that we look at this and say, okay, this is what we have. We have something that God gave us, that it is inspired, that the whole thing is that the words are inspired. So I told you there's a few errors. One of them is only partial inspiration, that parts of it are or won't. Others would be, uh, you know, that, uh, that, they were, that it was dictated and it wasn't. You know, God worked through it. The Holy Spirit worked. Others would say maybe the most um, dangerous, because it could almost sound logical, is that people will say, well, you know, God was behind it. You know, the, the, it was, you know, the intent was his, but the words aren't. You know, so you kind of get got to go past the, the words to get to the heart of God. And I'm just going to tell you one more time. That'll rob you of the whole thing. Because once you do that, the words don't mean anything. And it really is, well, I kind of think God is. And it's dangerous. So if you're going to study the scriptures, you're going to have to come face to face to the reality that this is God's word. Now, I know this, that even in this room, this is not left unchallenged in your life. The, the, the work of Satan is always against this. It was the very first lie. It was the very first lie that began there in the Garden of Eden when it tells us the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? His very first tactic is to question. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Do you, do, is that really what he said? And, and it begins to cause that question to, to land in there, often with a little overlap, often with going a little bit farther as he even asks that, but then he'll go flatly to deny it. it says, and the serpent said, nope, God's wrong. He, he said, you're going to die. You're not going to die. You're, and he contradicts God's word. So I want you to see this because what happens here is this is Satan's attack. And so, again, if you feel this in your life, please understand you are not alone. Uh, you know, I don't want you to be here on a Wednesday night being like, man, if they knew that I even ever found myself wondering, you know, is the Bible really trustworthy? Is it really the Word of God? Can I, is this really that? That's Satan's attack. That's his voice. But I just want you to recognize it. And you need to come to the place where you would say, I believe it. I, don't, I, I may not understand it. I, you know, I, I may not fully grasp it, but I don't have any doubt that this is God's word. And if he wrote it, it's, it's not people writing it, it's God giving it. And, and, there's, and if you don't believe this, anything else will, go on, will be a waste of time. Any effort to interpret the scripture, if you don't believe this, will leave you robbed of it. So again, I'm not mocking 
And I am just speaking. If that's where you are, just then let God meet you in it. Let him bring you to trustworthiness of him that God is telling us. This is all my Bible. All scripture is inspired by me. And I've, I, I'm the one that wrote it out. I, I carried the writer so that they said what I wanted to say God is saying. And if you can believe that, then you can begin to try to understand what it is because now you know you're holding and reading the word of God. So that's the first and maybe the most important uh, key of Bible interpretation. Two other quick ones. The Bible means something. The Bible means something. God said what he meant. He meant what he said, right? I mean, you heard that, those little just kind of phrases. What God said, he meant it. And it means something. What he wrote to us is something that would be clearly understood. And so let me actually give you a third one that is kind of saying the same thing in a different way. What the Bible means it means to everybody. What the Bible means, it means to everybody. So that when we try to understand a scripture or interpret it, there's a sense that we can have different applications, but not different interpretations. There will be different applications that will affect us here in America, that we would look and say, you know, boy, when I read this scripture and I apply it to Americans and I apply it to us, that's a good application, but it's not what it's saying. When the Bible says something, it means it to everybody. It means it to everybody on planet Earth. It means it for Christians in America and Christians in China. It means for Christians in an affluent culture, and it means it for Christians in a persecuted culture. It means it today, and it meant it a thousand years ago. So it's impossible to come to an interpretation that would be different than, than other people. It, it would not be that way. In fact, let me go back to that verse I had on the screen a moment ago, because that's exactly what God says. He says, knowing this first, like this is so important, like this is a priority. Know this, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. It doesn't mean something to you that it doesn't mean to somebody else. Now, you guys know this. I'm sure this is pretty easy to at least process through in the culture we live in because we live in a culture that is saying this all the time. We live in a relativistic culture that wants to say, your truth can be different than my truth. Your understanding of the Scripture can be different than my understanding of the Scripture. Now, you can be wrong, you know, and that, that is, is real of it, but God isn't, His Word can't mean two different things. Now, sometimes we really are in debates. You'll hear me sometimes when I teach a Bible study, and I'll even say something like, well, you know, good Bible students disagree over this little nugget, and we'll talk about why. And I'll talk about why I believe where we are is supposed to be where we are, but understand, even as I say that, I understand that it's our weakness that's making it complicated. God is not. He means one thing. And so if I'm going to try to understand a verse, then I need to try to understand what he is saying to all Christians, in all spaces, in all times, then I can apply it to my life. And, and my application might be a little different than yours, but not what God is saying. Not what God is saying. That's important because, again, when we're thinking about interpretation, that's what we're after. I want to understand what this verse means. And if I understand it, it means it for everybody. It means it for everybody. So those are key and important realities for us to understand as we're going to move into this and try to go there. 
Well, before I give you some techniques and, and, and tools to do that, let me pause and just say, you know, as we're thinking through this and trying to understand this, if you have a question, this is a good space for you to ask them. Do you have any questions over what we've just talked about, even these first three things that you want me to very quickly, again, try to say it better if I didn't say it well enough? Any questions over understanding the keys for Bible interpretation? Okay. Well, I'm going to assume that means I did a really good job or I did a really bad job and you're all confused and you're like, I don't even know what he was talking about. So, but if you have questions later, hey, come up and ask. I mean, really seriously, because if you can't get past this, everything else is going is, is to be for naught. If you can't believe that this is the word of God and he means what he says and he said what he, uh, then, then you'll never be able to get to asking the question, what does it mean? I mean, I know, I know God's saying something. I want to understand what that means. So how do you do that? Well, now you can go over to the right side of your page there, and we're going to talk about five things that are helpful, five tools or keys that are helpful for Bible interpretation. Now, before I quickly give you these, let me just say this. Um, so I talked to you about a moment ago that inspiration, I'm sorry, observation, interpretation, application, these are basic Bible study that is taught around the world. Uh, it's been taught for generations that way. It's really how God has wired us. So you could go to uh, a Christian bookstore, wherever they, you know, and, and find one of those books or find one online. And if you bought a, a, a book that was to teach you how to study the Bible, it would have those three things, most likely. Observe it, interpret it, apply it. But then kind of getting into the how you do Bible interpretation can vary a lot. It, not in the sense of the actual reality, but how people process it. And so I'm going to give you five things that are mine. So these are mine. Uh, these isn't something that necessarily everybody would, would, would unpack at the same way. These are, these are what I have kind of, you know, unpacked in my life. I use five C's to kind of alliterate it so I can remember it really easily and I can teach it and hope it that way. If you pick up a Bible study book, there might be eight things they talk about. They take the same things I do and then divide them into eight categories. Or some would go really technical. I even had one at one point that had 20 uh, categories in the midst of it. But in one sense, they all are talking about the same things that we're talking about. And I want to give you these five, and as we do so, I just want to tell you, hey, these are what I do. This is what I do. In fact, I'm almost a little bit, if I, if I can just be like flat out and honest, if this is okay, part of me is like a little embarrassed to unpack this for you because you're going to like, boy, that's not that hard. I used to think you were smart. Now I actually know you're not. You know, it's like, it's just because that's not, this isn't that complicated. No, it's not that complicated. It, it, it's not, not really. Yes, you have to go deeper into, into the midst of these things, uh, but they, they actually work. And so these are the five things that I do, and I do them. I'm not going to give them to you in like order priority, but they're actually the order that I do them. So when I am interpreting a verse, these are the five things I work through, and I work them through this and this order like every time. And so, again, you might do it differently. We're not the same people, but I think that still these are five questions that if you're going to try to understand a verse, you're going to have to ask. So what are they? Five C's, if you want to write them down there. The first one is content. First one is content. We'll talk about that more in a moment. The second one is context. Second is context in the midst of it. So content, context. The third one is Christ. Third one is Christ. So again, not in order of importance because surely Christ is the most important, but this is just very practically how it works for me. Number four is compare. Uh, compare in the midst of it. And then lastly, consult. 
So my hope is that for some of you who try to work this, these things will stay in your mind. You can be like, okay, I'm going to try to study a verse, five things I need to ask. So let me quickly give you definitions to those, and then we'll kind of walk into how to do it. So content means you're going to focus on the content. You're going to define the words. These are words, God's spoken words, so you want to define them. You want to even look at grammar, because uh, grammar can have a, a big effect on understanding a verse. So you're going to look at the content. You're going to take some of your observations you gave, and you're going to try to dive deeper into that content. Then secondly, you're going to look at the context. You're going to look at, okay, what's happening? What's, where's the, how's the sentence flow? How's the paragraph flow? Uh, where, what's happening in the midst of this chapter? You want to see the verse that you're studying in the midst of the context with which it's given. That's huge, massive. We'll talk more about that, but it will help you really make sure you understand it if you're following the train of thought where it is. Thirdly, you're going to focus on Christ because it is all about Jesus. That's actually what Jesus said. He says, you search the scripture, they talk about me. These are that which testify of me. It tells us in Revelation, the spirit of the, of the book, is, is, is Jesus is the spirit of the entire thing. So there's a scarlet thread of redemption. There's a, there's a picture of Christ that every verse can get you to. So if you're going to understand the verse, find the thread. Find Christ. Find how, find how you get to Jesus from that verse because you'll never understand it rightly if you can't get to Jesus. You get, you'll never, you'll, you, if, you don't, if you can't get to Jesus and you're understanding the verse, you don't understand it. You don't understand what is there because it gets to Jesus. It always gets to Jesus. Fourthly, you're going to compare it. That is, you're going to compare it with other scriptures. God never contradicts himself. And so sometimes having other verses that you kind of relate around the verse that you're studying really brings clarity. Sometimes by saying the same thing uh, in, in a different way, other times by like just kind of putting a different bookend on it where it's like, yes, okay, I get it. So looking at other verses becomes absolutely essential, again, to understand what God is saying. And then lastly, you're going to consult. You're going to look at study Bibles. You're going to look at commentaries. So I told you in observation, don't do that first, but you should do that. I mean, like looking at what other people have to say, uh, study Bibles or commentaries, that's great. But if you're tracking with me, it's the last thing you do. These five things are really in order for me. So the last thing of Bible interpretation. Now, it's not the last thing of Bible study because after we interpret it, we're going to apply it. We're going to go into the, what I do about it. But the last thing of trying to understand it will, again, be this place where, yes, you're going to look at consulting other things and hoping that will be helpful. Okay. Again, right now, if, if that's all you knew, and for some of you, you'll take that home, and it will work for you. Honestly, just, again, it's not, it's not really that complicated, but let's talk about how to do it. So tonight, for probably the rest of the time, we're going to focus on this first part, this content, and the next week, we'll come and hit the next four uh, fairly, uh, you know, in a much more quick way, but this one's the most technical. And so I just want to walk you through this. Now, before I do this, I know this. I know that for some of you, you're already doing this. You're doing it well. Great, then just let me come alongside and just speak at others. You've never done this. I just want to show you how. I want to show you how. So let's talk about content. If you're going to study a verse, you want to, again, look at the words. You want to look at the grammar. You want to understand some of that because, again, God spoke words. Verbal, plenary, inspiration. He spoke words. And, and, and the words are what's unpacking that. So to get to the answer of that, you really need to get to the original languages because God did not write it in English. Uh, it, in the Old Testament, it's written in Hebrew, and the New Testament, it's written in Greek. Now, in a different generation, 
that might be like, well, great. Like, I, I'm never going to be able to get there. You know, like, it's going to, you know, I mean, I have to go to the seminary or, you know, kind of really, but you live in an incredible technical generation that this is clearly in everybody's grasp. This is not too hard. It is not beyond you. And you can. Looking up an English word, it's not going to work because it wasn't written in English. And English words, like one translation of the Bible will use a different English word. So just looking this up in an English dictionary, it's not unhelpful, but you're certainly not getting to the meat. If you want to be accurate, like I want to understand the verse, you have to go into the original languages. So how do you do that? Well, I want to just, first of all, discourage anybody who says, I want to do that with just physical copies uh, of books. Now, if you're that person, and and I love you, and and if you really want to, and you still really want to after this, I will sit down with you and show you how. But I will tell you now, it is exhausting. Uh, You can do, you could spend, you know, an hour, you know, doing work and understanding languages that I can do in minutes uh, with the modern technology. And, and, And why waste your time? Why would you spend an hour you know, in, in a book when you could spend minutes looking it up and then have more time to pray and more time to think and more time to process. Um, so again, if you're absolutely dead set on using a book, I will help you and you can come and talk to me. But I want to tell you in this day, it could be done differently. So I want to just show you f- just a few different ways. There's more than this. So on the bottom of your page on the left there, I put these there so you don't have to kind of w- just work them through. First of all, is I just gave you what, what is one of my favorite um, word study books, the complete word study Bible, we'll talk about how to use that in a moment, but then three ways uh, that you can do this. So there's two Bible softwares that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Logos, that is probably the most powerful one uh, that I use consistently. I'm also going to talk about Olive Tree, and then I'm going to talk about a free one. I'm going to talk about a website called Blue Letter Bible. And, and so, again, I don't know where this lands for you. So, again, for some of you, it's going to be, like, you know, you're going to look and say, I want to I I, I spend some money on, on like, Logos Bible software. And I just want to tell you, it's, worth, it's a worthwhile spend, but it's not cheap. I mean, don't think, like, so is it 20 bucks? No, we're talking hundreds of dollars. We're talking thousands. You know, easy. You could just, I mean, honestly, you could just dive into it deep and, and, and far, and it's not a bad expenditure. If that's something you want to go into, it is probably, at least in my understanding, there are other Bible softwares, but it's probably one of the best. Uh, again, I'll talk about Olive Tree. It's cheaper. I use it a little. Uh, I don't use it a lot, but we'll still talk about how I use it and maybe helpful. But then again, we're going to land at Blue Letter Bible, which is free which is absolutely free. All you need is an internet connection and to go to their website, and it has a ton. And so I just want to show you how. So how do we do that? Well, I think what we'll do for a moment is I just want to put a verse back up on the screen, both because we just read it, but if you were with us last week, that's where we ended. We ended in this verse in uh, 2 Timothy, and I asked you guys just to sit and do some observations with me, and we just did for, for a, few, a little bit, we just noticed the who's, we noticed some of the how's, we noticed the, the different things happening in the midst of it. So let's just imagine that that was the verse you were studying. And so now you have spent some time observing it. You've gone through this and you've noticed the, the all's, you've noticed the for's, you've noticed the structure, you've noticed the, the flow of things, you've spent some good time in it, and now you want to take the next step. Now you've spent you know, a good bit of time observing it, and now you want to take the next step and begin to look up words. Now, you could look up every one of the Greek or Hebrew words in a text, and that's not a bad thing to do, but for most of us, that is neither practical nor necessary. Hopefully, if you've done a good job observing, you already know. You've observed this text, and you're like, I need to know more about that word. 
Like that word hinges something, especially if you've read it in other translations. You're like, different translations translate this one differently. Like I want to understand that word. If I'm going to get this verse, you would look at this and pick out a few words. So let's just take just a couple of them this evening. We already did that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, though again, you could dive into that. But it's profitable for doctrine. So we'll just talk about doctrine for a moment, not for any other reason than to show you how we're going to do it. So I'm going to show you Logos Bible Software, just some screenshots that I did as I was doing this. Uh, If you already have this, this will be helpful. If you are interested in it, it would kind of work this way. So you pull up Logos Bible Software. Uh, Probably one of the guides that is most helpful is they call their exegetical guide. So you just type in the verse. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, put it in there. It would then unpack it for you. Uh, you would begin to just, you know, see this. You can see some textual variants, some different things that are more for technical, but then it's gonna go through and it's gonna give you a word-by-word help that's gonna help you just track through the, the, the Greek words in this. So got the Greek language there on the left, which all of you can read. Uh, Some of you actually can, uh, but over on the right, you have the English, so you can see them side by side, and so you would just scroll up and you would begin to see it. It's laid it out in the order that's given the Greek text, happens to begin with the same one here, you get the word all, and then it goes and gives you a number of helps, but I told you we're just gonna focus on one word right now to show you how to do it, so let me just scroll down uh, to the word doctrine. So, really quickly, it just shows you a whole bunch of things, and so now you're gonna begin to unpack it. First of all, if you just wanted to learn how to say the word, it's got a little, you know, click it, so it's like, how do I say that Greek word? Which is really fun, and I never can do it afterwards. But it's really fun to look at it, you know, just kinda like, okay, now I can say it, you know, delascalon, you know, it gets to kinda process this whole thing. Then you would look over here, and it's gonna give you the Greek word. And if you just hovered your, your, your mouse over that, it would show you how many times it's in the Bible. So this word is used 21 times. 21 times it's used in the scriptures. Uh, It's translated different way, doctrine, teaching, learning. Helpful, you could just click that little graphic, which is kind of fun, and it would pull it up for you could see it a little bit better and say, okay, so we're looking at this word, didaskala, that can be translated three different ways. You can kind of just touch that, that circle with your mouse, and it would highlight all those words. And so I can just kind of scroll down, and 19 times it is translated doctrine. And so it would go there and show me every verse where that word is used. Helpful, because I began to see how this word is used in other spaces. It's like, okay, I, I get, I, I'm beginning to figure out how this word works. Just really, really helpful, a lot of fun. Takes moments to kind of do, and, and incredibly helpful. Okay. So you go back to it, you get to see it. Then the second thing I just want you to notice really quickly is that it gives you a parsing. Now, parsing is to give you that kind of grammar uh, of of a text. Now, again, maybe you are really good at grammar. Great. You're probably good at English grammar. It's not the same as Greek grammar. So you might just say, how do I get to Greek grammar? Well, that's what it does for you. It's going to give you the Greek grammar. tells you what it is. It's a noun, accusative, singular, feminine, propositional object. Really, really helpful. Some of you are like, that's just helpful. Probably not. But if you just hover over it, any one of those words, it would tell you, hey, that's what this is. So you hover over it, accusative, and it's a case that normally marks a direct object of a verb and helpful. So now, it's not always helpful. In fact, this one you might be thinking, I don't know if that really helped me a lot. I thought about just going to find... um, you know, a, a verse or a word that it's really helpful, but I thought, you know, I just want to be honest. This is, we're just working through it. You might just read that and go, that's interesting. Sometimes it's, it's transformative. Sometimes finding out something is a verb or it's past tense or present tense or in a perfect tense, which is really powerful in the Greek. Or, you know, and it'll just help you process through some of those things. This one is not that, but you still get to see it. So helpful because you're just going to look and say, is there anything 
in the kind of grammar of this that would be helpful. Nothing's immediately sticking out. Nevertheless, it's worthwhile to look. So, then you just look at it. It gives you a quick definition. So, this word didoskalon means the activities of educating or instructing, activities that impart uh, knowledge or skill. Pretty simple. Helpful to understand. There's more. So all that is kind of just the beginning, but then in any Bible software, you begin to get to now go into the other resources. So I scroll down, put it here, and it's as many as you buy. That's how Logo Bible software works, is it sells you books. And so you're going to buy, if you're going to do it, you're going to buy grammars. Uh, You're going to buy lexicons that will help you understand this. And so I have a ton of them. Uh, That's just a few of them up on the screen. But you're just going to pick that. You're probably not going to look at all of them, but I would encourage a few. And so one of them that I am recommending uh, is what I already put there on your little page on the left is the Word Study Bible, uh, Zohadides, uh, that unpacks. I just think he does a really good job. So it's that first one on the text there, so where it says W-S-N-T-D-I-C, you know, just the the Word Study uh, New Testament Dictionary. So you would just click that, and it would unpack for you. And then a Greek scholar would help you think through, hey, what does this word mean? So this one is, again, didaskalot. It talks about the act or manner of teaching uh, with the meaning of warning. Like, it always has that. Uh, it's the thing taught, instruction, precept, doctrine. If it's coming from men, it's often perverse. But if it's God, it's divine teaching. So again, just kind of helpful to kind of walk through. And there's more. It's a very kind of just going through thing. But if you're trying to understand a verse, you're just saying, I want to understand a word. So you're able to do that all relatively quickly and, I hope, helpfully. Now, here's again the thing. For some of you who already own this or you're thinking about owning it, hey, they do videos that will help you walk through this better than I just did, but I just wanted to give you a sense of how quickly. I mean, it might not seem it because I've been talking around it, but how quickly you could go, okay, I'm just looking up words. It's really, really helpful. Well, let's leave that one for a moment. So that's Logos. That's a good one to look into. If you're interested, you can go there, watch some videos, see if it's interesting. If you have questions, you can talk to me. I'd love to be able to help you to do that. Um, Then I want to talk about Olive Tree uh, software. Very quickly, by the way, both for Logos and Olive Tree, uh, these are uh, platforms that whatever you buy works in every device you have. So if you you buy it, you can use it on your computer and on your tablet and on your iPhone or whatever device you have. Uh, you can, you know, so they all work the same, and so that's really good news to have so you can find it in all of them. Um, I use the Olive Tree primarily um, on my uh, phone and iPad just because I love how fast it is. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time into it because I don't use it that much, but on my iPad or phone, I use it all the time. So here's how it works. So if you were to buy uh, Olive Tree or buy the books in Olive Tree, a few of them, this is mine. So it's the screenshot off my iPad. Uh, it shows the same thing, 2 Timothy 3. And so we have the verses 16 and 17. We talked about doctrine a little bit. Let's say we wanted to look up the word reproof. Because I've bought the, you know, the, the study Bibles that goes with this, I just put my finger over the word reproof, pulls up the Greek word. There it is. So the word reproof is... Alexitos, which has the idea of a proof, which is uh, a thing that's proved or tested by conviction. This is kind of the Strong's dictionary definition that you can get to really fast. It's like, touch, there it is. There's the dictionary. Then if you've bought other dictionaries to go on to it, you would tap the bottom there, which is the bottom right, where it says, I want to look it up. I want to look up this Greek word and other uh, just helps. So I touch it, pulls up all the different resources that I own. I'm going to again go into Zahadides, the, the complete word study Bible. I would click that, and just it would give me a definition. To convict, conviction, metatomically, meaning certain persuasion. 
in a sense that refutation of adversaries, it implies not just merely the change uh, of the basis which one is convicted, but also, also the manifestation of the truth of the charge and the results to be reaped. Also the acknowledgement, if outwardly yet inwardly, the truth is part of the accused. And so a bunch of information there, but it's just telling us, hey, this is more than just a fact. Like you're, you're being convinced. You're being convinced. You're being convicted. You're being reproved, showing you, hey, this is where this is going. This is what this goes to. This is where the, the end of this leads to. And so it's just helpful. But again, if you're just tracking with me, in actuality, that took me 30 seconds. You know, it's like I pulled it up, touched it looked at it, oh, that's really cool. Maybe I copied it and, and, and posted it into the notes that I'm keeping on it, but it's just that fast. So what I'm wanting to tell you again is this isn't something that you're gonna have to be like, man, it's gonna take me hours to look this thing up. No, no, you could actually probably do this really, really fast. And so that's a good way. If you're someone who likes to use your phone or tablet, I would encourage the Isle of Tree software. I like it. Uh, again, it has a, a, you know, other components to it that I don't use as much, and so maybe you would find it helpful if you wanted to go into that. Okay, so now I realize I've, I've, I've spent some time on places that some of you are never going to go. I mean, you're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go buy you know, expensive software, and you don't really have to because, again, th- there are places that have done this. There's other ones on the web, but the Blue Letter Bible does an absolutely amazing job and puts most of this right at your fingertips. So, let me just show you how. And again, if, if I'm making, I'm hoping I'm placing a fork and a knife in your hand where it's like, okay, I could, I could do this. I can dive in and understand a verse. You can. So how would you do it? So you go. You go there to Blue Letter Bible. You pull it up uh, on the web. So I pulled it up. You can go to blueletterbible.com, blueletterbible.org. Either one goes to the same place. You'd go there and say, I want to search the Bible. So I already typed it in, 2 Timothy 3.16. You can pick your translation. I use the New King James, so I'm going to put that because that's where I'm studying from. So you put that in there uh, and that search the Bible, but you can search other things, words, topics, and all of that. It's really, really helpful. But we're doing a verse. So you type in the verse and it pulls it up. It pulls up the, the, the verse, and so here it is in the New King James Version. I get to read it, see it. But I'm here to study it, so now I'm just going to click that little thing up there on the left that just says tools. I pull it up, and then it just puts an array of tools on that verse right there. And, and so uh, you know, click that. There, there, the lay of little cross-references right there at the top. And so you just might notice it has an interlinear, which is going to go through the languages, but a bunch of different other tabs, which, by the way, very, very quickly... Um, it also does what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about comparing a verse in the different translations, and I talked to you about the Bible app. It's a great one to do. This does a good job as well. And if you're studying it in here, it's why not? Just kind of click over there, so you'd click into that tab, um, and you would have whatever translations you want to look at. Like, I want to look at how different translations handled this verse. You know, how they translate it, which at once more would be helpful getting closer to understanding it. So again, we talked about that last week, but I just wanted to make sure that I pointed it out that it can do it here as well. So now we're talking about understanding words, diving into it, right? Hoping it's not too incredibly boring and, and a little bit helpful. So how do you do that? Well, again, it gives you the Greek for you guys who can read it, and there it is, and not really helpful for all of you, but it's there. And then it just tells you how you can look at this. So there's four ways. Uh, the most normal way for us as English-speaking students is what we call a reverse interlinear, which means we're going to look at it from the English into the Greek, which is what we're probably going to do. But if you're a Greek person and you want to begin with the Greek, you can flip it around and say, I'm going to do it forward. 
Um, you can also do some inlines, where if you wanted just to see this inline in the text, it's just a different layout. We're just going to spend time on the first one, the reverse there. So you scroll down, and it just begins to do the same thing. It just begins to show you the Greek words and, and everything that's there. You might just notice it has the English, it has the Strong's, it then has the, the word that's there, and then it does parsing, which we talked about a moment ago, which is, again, giving you, how do I understand grammar? You know, Greek and a Hebrew grammar, how do I get it? It's right there. So we're just going to scroll down. Uh, so we did reproof just a second ago with the olive tree. Let's do correction. So we're going to look here at this bottom one, correction. Once more, it'll pronounce it for you. So if you really want to be somebody great that can pronounce your Greek and Hebrew words, just click that, and it will tell you how to pronounce them. Kind of fun in the midst of it, so you can do it. It's free. It also does the parsing which will help you again with the grammar. So you just click that little thing, it brings up the grammar over on the right there and just gives you the different codings of it, tells you what it is uh, in the midst of it, tells you it's a noun, tells you it's case. We'll just click it there and say, again, it's an accusative case and you're like, I don't know what accusative is. Click it and that will kind of take it down and show you, okay, an accusative case refers to a case used um, for a noun or pronoun that is a direct object. So again, just basic kind of grammar, Nothing huge in this one. Sometimes it is, though, always worth making sure you're paying attention. But just kind of fun. Because now you're like, I can look into Greek grammar. Like, I can actually, this is kind of crazy. Like, I don't even know Greek grammar, but now I can look into Greek grammar free on Blue Letter Bible. It's right there. But now we need to go back to it, so we're going to look at the word. Going back to correction, we're just going to click that there, which is the Strong's number, which is everything linked by. So you're going to say, I want to look up this Greek word. I want to know what it is. So you pull that up. It brings you to the lexicon, gives you, again, kind of a transliteration, tells you the speech, tells you its etymology, like it's two Greek words slammed together, which can be fun and helpful to kind of see, um, tells you how to pronounce it, pr- pronounce it again, just helpful stuff in the midst of it. So then you can just scroll down, and it begins to give you different things. It'll give you um, dictionary aids, as much as they're helpful. Uh, you know, right now, probably the one they have most right there is Vines. Vines is really helpful. So again, you just tap it, pulls up Vines says, you know, this word right here is, you know, correct, correction, it's a restoration to an upright state. So when we think about correction, it's, you know, making it upright. It's taking something that's fallen down or is not where it ought to be, it's putting it in the right place, uh, you know, and so hence correction, uh, you know, of that place. But that's pretty, that's, that's different than maybe we would have thought. You know, we're thinking, okay, so I'm thinking of this thing of correction, and yet it's, it's more than just, it's, it's going to fix me. It's to, to make me what I'm supposed to be. It's, it's, it's supposed to be doing that. So again, it's just helpful to kind of see uh, the language on that. By the way, if I'm not totally boring you, uh, just quickly, you might notice something else it has there. has a, a reference there to the T-D-N-T. Uh, it is probably one of the best um, scholarly works on lexicons. It's called the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. It's not free. And so uh, you can't, you, if you click it, it, doesn't, it just tells you what it is. But what it does do is it tells you the page number if you actually have the book. And let's just, so you might just notice it has, this word is on volume five, page 540, or in the abridged work, it's on page 727. You might be thinking, well, Jim, that's not helpful for me at all. Well, actually, I don't know if you noticed, we have this little library uh, in our room in there, and we have all of those right there. So let's say you were wanting to understand a word more, and you're like, I need something more scholarly. So we have that little red book, which is the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, it told you the page. Like, I'm just going to go to the page. You know, it's right there. Or if you want to get really technical and not go to the abridged, I'm going to go to volume five, you know, and I'm going to go over there and find it. So it's right there. I mean, you, could, if you, so again, if you're studying a verse and you're like, man, I need more, 
Like I still, I don't feel like I understand this word. Well, that we have it, and it gives you a very quick reference to do it. Or if you buy Logos or Olive Tree, you can buy uh, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, but again, it costs. So, but here it's just a reference. So, Dictionary Aids, it gives you that. Shows you, again, how many times that word is used in the Bible. This time it's only once. Uh, this word for correction is only used one time in the entire scripture, and it's used here. Kind of interesting, helpful. Shows you its outline of biblical usage, and then it gives you the Strong's def- Dictionary definitions. So we'll just kind of scroll down there. Shows you again, you know, it's, it's this straightening up again, this fixing, this rectification, this reformation, you know, kind of just bringing a life back into what it's supposed to be. Helpful for us to see. Uh, gives you that. It will also give you uh, Thayer's Dictionary, which is a little bit of the same thing. So again, you're just getting to read multiple dictionaries in moments. And it's just really, really helpful. This is really, really helpful because God spoke words, and, and the words are powerful, and if you've ever walked through Bible studies, you get to hear it, and you like, man, how would I know? How do I know the difference between agape and phileo, or how do I know? You know, it's right there. Now you can know. I mean, it's, it's put within your grasp in ways that can get there incredibly simply, I hope helpfully, but stuff that you can do without a huge investment of time, because again, I'm, it's taking me time to explain it, but when you're doing it, it's like, click, 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 oh, okay, got it, and, and it's really, really helpful. Okay, so I walked you through a whole bunch of stuff. Let me just quickly just say any last questions technically on understanding words or any of that that I just talked about. John. Yeah, does the Hebrew exactly the same? You know, there's a couple different references in the midst of it. The complete word study Bible has a Greek and Hebrew. I like both, uh, but yeah, does the Hebrew as well. It's got the same thing, has all the connections as well, as well in the midst of it. Good. What else? Frank. Uh, in the Olive Tree software you were speaking about, you said you bought the book. Is it one-time cost? Yes, it's one-time cost. Both in Logos and in Olive Tree, yeah, you, you, can, you have the software, then you're buying books. You're just buying them electronically instead. And so, yeah, once you have them, you have them, and it's on all of your devices. So, so all the books I surround myself with when I study, I can get them there. You can get them there. You can get them right there, right on your phone, wherever. So it's always available. Like I said, I can pull my phone out and quickly look up a, a word like, oh, that's just really, it's just really fun. Yeah, good. Kevin. Uh, it is a one-time cost. So like Logos, you can, you can upgrade. They upgrade um, with different things that it does, but the software itself is usually end up being free, so you're just buying, just think about a book. You're buying, just like if you were to go to a store and say, I want to buy a book, you're buying it, it's forever. So it's not a subscription, it's just books. Not always cheap. I mean, scholarly books are just expensive. I'm just, it's just embarrassing expensive sometimes, but yeah. Good. What else? Yes. Yes. So like for the Logos, uh, you know what you do, they'll, they'll often, if, you, if you're interested in it, they, they will offer like package deals, like your first time getting into it. Some can be very, very cheap. Um, but again, you just want to make sure you get, and then you might just say, I want to buy a book uh, that would then be there. I think like the complete word study, I think I meant to look it up. I think it's probably 50 to 60 bucks, you know, kind of in the deal. But it's a worthwhile expenditure. So. But once more, Blue Letter Bible has so much. doesn't have all of that. doesn't have the, the stuff that costs money, but it can get you really, really close. All right. Anybody else? Okay, we'll pick this up next week, but let me just kind of pull this back and say, okay, so we're looking at context, but it's one, I'm sorry, content, but it's one of five. 
five things. Now, it's not always definitive. If I've made it sound like, hey, if you look up the Greek or Hebrew, boy, you totally understand the verse. Not always so. If you know anything about looking up words, you're like, well, you know, one word can mean a couple of different things depending on how it's used. And so it's not like just looking it up in the Greek or Hebrew just automatically seals the deal. No, you need all five of these. Uh, But if you will walk through all of these, it will draw you to what God has. And honestly, again, it's really helpful. So let me end where I began, where God just gives us an invitation, where he says, hey, set your heart on it. Set your heart on all of the words. Set your heart on all of the words, which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe, which is, you know, all the words of this law, like pay attention to the whole thing. And then he just says it again in a way that I just love that he says it. It is not a futile thing. It is not a futile thing for you. This is life to you. This is is not a waste of your time. You studying it, paying attention to the word, this is not something that's like, well, you know, some people get into crosswords, it's a way, you know, and some people get into word. No, this is, this is God's word. And he's inviting you not to be bottle-fed all of your spiritual life, but to be the kind of person who's like, I, I can dive into it. I can chew on the word of God. I can seek to understand what God has. It is not a futile thing. So I just invite you towards that. Let's close in prayer and ask for God's help and favor that he would teach us to do that. God, thank you for your word. And I just want to echo and say, God, I believe you. It's not a waste of time. It's not a futile thing. It's it's something that if we could dive into your word and understand it more ourselves, it becomes treasure to us. It becomes something where you are speaking to us by it. God, we've done some technical stuff tonight. We've talked about Greek and Hebrew, which you wrote your word in, and I thank you for that. I pray that it wasn't overwhelming. I pray that instead it would be, well, that's not that complicated. We could actually go into that. I pray that it would become something that people would dive into and that you would take them deeper and show them how rich and how full and meaningful your word is and and, and how vast and, and, and deep and just how diving deeper, it's as if it just grows. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do that teach us. Uh, Teach us to find just the value of that. Draw us to your truth and just make it be what you said it is. Life to us. I ask that for me and for all of us here in Jesus' name. Amen.